This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Hey, I'm Chris, and Adam and I recorded this first season of the Device and Virtue podcast exclusively for our friends. Now that's you too, so enjoy our first attempt at arguing about tech and faith. Oh, and find our newest episodes at deviceandvirtue.com. Someday, your computer will drive your car. Okay, Google, take me to church. This is Device and Virtue. It is the Device and Virtue podcast, Christian Thinking About Technology in the Church, and this is episode three. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Hi, Chris. I'm good. How are you? We are coming to you from Chicago, and uh, you know, I had a lot of fun last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we hung out last night. We did. Uh, We were at a, uh, uh, what was it we called it? Beer and Hymns? Yeah, Beer and Hymns. That's a thing. It is. Like, when I told my parents about this, my mom was like ah i don't think those two things go together and i was like no they do they definitely they really do. went together last night they they're like a bluegrass really well. band like they had some great musicians accordion yeah uh, guitars and uh, i think going a on. ukulele maybe was, i think there might have definitely been a ukulele yeah actually uh but then just all hymns people packed in there yeah that was fun we all had a beer 100 people uh, there we sang lots of harmonies yeah i feel like it was like martin luther would have loved this yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we all know Martin Luther was mostly drunk, I think, while he was writing his <laughs> theology in the pub. I don't know if that's really true, but they do talk about him in the beer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think... We weren't drunk, but uh, we were having fun singing. It was, no, it, 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 it opens up the spirit to really sing heartily and lustily. It's true. I thought, I thought you, were a hard, you were a hearty singer. I, I, I got loud. People don't know, know this about you, that you know you sing. This I do. the thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep it on the down low. <laughs> uh, well, today uh, we, sh- we should talk, right? Because oh, uh, yeah. we are uh, technology and the church and everything in between, and you have brought the topic for today. So why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. So I ran across this article from Wired Magazine, and uh, it was kind of a news piece they were writing about. The headline was, Feds say they'll count computers as human drivers. Mm. So it's all about driverless cars. But I'll just give you kind of a top-line view of it. Yeah, sure. Um, So there's a group called the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. NISTA. Yeah, which is a mouthful. Um, And even the abbreviation isn't very much help. Um, The NHTSA. So they, they maintain this really big rule book for car makers, and it regulates how car makers uh, are to maintain their safety uh, when building new cars. So um, currently, though, all the regulations in the in this big rule book refer to like human body parts and how they For interact cars? within the car. Ah. Does that make sense? So like um, when you're, you know, pushing the gas pedal with your foot or you're looking in the rearview mirror with your eyes. Right. So 
Oh, now, so it talks about that. Yeah, so it, it it regulates all these things and and how how the car makers are supposed to protect. I guess it's true. It's not car. like you buy a Honda and the brakes are like up by your left hand or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's all the same. Yeah. So it's kind of regulated. So you know where you know where things are. Yeah. Most cars work about the same. Right. right. Yeah. So the NHTSA regulates all that. They have this big book about it. So now driverless cars is sort of you know, out there on the horizon and yes, exactly. pretty soon cars will be driven, quote a of, unquote. A lot of states have already passed laws saying they got them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And or for the, for the future expectation of them. Yeah. 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 So they're going to be driven by, co- dri- driven by computers. So now all of a sudden this big rule book is sort of out of date. And so computers don't have eyes, they don't have feet. And they don't need rearview mirrors. They don't need brake pedals as such. You know, the ways that we've thought about the car in the past hundred years is just changing fundamentally. True. So to address this in January 2016, the head of the NHTSA, a guy named Anthony Fox, um, uh, gave his department the task of revising this whole rule book. And it would he wanted them in the next six months to account for self-driving cars. Um, So they're still working on that revision. But in February, and this is where the article came in, the department came out and said this. They said, quote, if no human occupant of the vehicle can actually drive the vehicle, that is like if there's no like steering wheel or rear view mirror or pedals. Because the Google cars they're making, they just don't, they're not even putting those in. Yeah, you you don't need Yeah, there's like two passenger seats, right? Yeah, right. Uh So... If they don't, if the human person can't drive the car, so then they said it is more reasonable to identify the driver, quote unquote, as uh, whatever, or as opposed to whoever is doing the driving. Sure. So that's where Wired then comes up and says, "Oh, well, then uh, you know, feds are counting computers as human drivers." Yes. So interesting. Yeah. So it kind of just raises these interesting questions. Computers are human data. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Sorry. You're, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it just raises these interesting questions. I'm curious how it relates to the church. You know, how should yes. the church be thinking about these things? For sure. And uh, and so, um, I just kind of wanted to chat about that and see and see what your thoughts were. Yeah. Um, for sure. So first off, though, I have a really important question, Chris. Mm. What should we call cars driven by computers? So like right now, people are calling them driverless cars uh. or they're calling them self-driving cars. So what do you think? Uh. Uh, Uber? <laughs> Uber? Uh, no, not really. Um, here's my, I, I, so here's my answer for this. Um, I think they should be just called like the, uh, they should just be called drivers. And here's my logic. Okay. I have logic for this. Like, because drivers, like, uh, it sounds like a human to us when we say there's a driver. Right, yeah. Yeah, mm, We've, mm. we only know drivers. There is precedent for this interesting thing in human language, though. So, uh, the word computer. Okay. Right? Oh, yeah. So computer, uh, I looked this up, uh, OED, 1640, 
Okay. The first time, 1640, okay. is the first time that the word computer is used. And of course, it's a person. It's, it's a person. It's someone who, who calculates. Does computing. Yeah, who, do, who like, and it right. comes from Latin, like you, you're computere or something. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, it's like putere is to reckon and com was the, uh, anyway. Two oh, eight. it's getting nerdy two, yeah. in here. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, we don't really actually call a computer computer. And I thought about this with my grandma, right? Like, um, <laughs> my grandma, where'd that come from? But my grandma in World War II, uh, is uh, works downtown. She used to tell me this all the time. She, you know, she's from Chicago, and she used to work on Lake Street as a Rosie the Riveter. You know, like the poster with the, oh, yeah. the bandana right, and right, the right. yellow thing, and like the 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 fist. Yes, we, we can, can do it. Yeah, of, or yes, yeah, we can we do can it. We can do it. And my grandma always used to say like. I was a Rosie the Riveter. She goes, those men, they went to war and they said it was hard. It wasn't that hard. And, and, and so the she, war wasn't hard. <laughs> well, working in this factory, right? Oh, okay. And so she'd like, what she was a, oh, um, I see. she'd press these buttons and have these machines. But I thought about this because, you know, women did a lot of jobs during World War II that traditionally had been men's job. And that's where the, when I thought of, I thought of grandma first and I thought of the computers because actually there was a bunch of famous women. Right during World War II that actually did, that were computers, that's what they were called, right. that did calculations for the war. Right, right, right. Uh, and even, I think I had heard something last year about, yeah, NPR sort of following, doing a biography of them. They were some of the earliest, you know, real smart women, yeah. did a lot of math, that kind of stuff. So they were computers. Right. So we are starting to see computer refer to like an actual machine in, right. like, in the language in the early 1900s, but not till like the ENIAC, 1945, looked that up, you know. Like is, is it where really computer means what we think now. So it changes from a person to, to the machine. An object. Yeah. Okay. So it's a driver. So you a driverless think, okay. car is just a driver. It's like I, a driver. I'm going to call my driver. Huh. I can see that. That's All what right. I think. My mine was not so historic. <laughs> oh, uh, on what we should call them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. 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 I I thought we should call them, and this is a bad portmanteau, but automobiles. Autom. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Nice, Automobiles. Nice. I like uh, what you would call cars, and I thought of a historical precedent, and you said, let's make a word. Yeah. <laughs> you know, auton- autonomous automobiles. Okay. So, Automobiles. <clears throat> but I think automobile is the kind of word that's just going to like yeah. bag being shortened. Yeah. Nobody an, nobody yeah, likes yeah, that yeah, word. Yeah, no. It's just a, it's a terrible I word. Hate, but I hate I it think, already. I think it's an appropriate description. Yeah, it's true. I do. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to refer them to automobiles from now on. Or drivers, but that see that's confusing. <laughs> well, right how, now how it's you, confusing yeah, to you, but, how but do you in get twenty a whole years, culture to like buy into that. It I just don't know. happened with computer. I, I do you think of a woman in World but War II not, when I say computer now? But there weren't as many computers. Sure. Like, anyways, moving on. Okay, moving moving on then. So <laughs> this headline does have this thing says computers as human drivers, right? And sort of. I think that bothers us a little bit, this sort of association computers and humans. And I know you said here, you know, the government didn't do that necessarily, right. but the Wired article sort of said it like that. Uh, yeah, does that, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's a long history of doing this, right? Like we, we create our tools and, then, and, and we give them names that relate to ourselves. So like right now we're both sitting in chairs that have legs, sure. And a back. I guess it's true. And a back. You know, you don't even think right. about that. And, you know, on the wall, there's the face of a clock and hands that indicate the time. It's true. Um, you know, an electrician knows that there's a male end and a female end <laughs> to an extension cord. Mm. And mm. you can probably figure out yes. that too. You know, soldiers use firearms. Okay. Um, and if if they run out of ammo, they can use the butt of their gun. <laughs> Right, 
Um, yes, that's true. But I think it's so. There's obviously like a history of of us taking our tools and naming them based on our own human body parts, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so there is this notion, but then it kind of has reversed back on itself. So uh, a while back, I was with some friends here in Chicago, and we had gone to a party, and we were um, we had left the party, and we were walking. We walked out the back door actually of this of this house rather than the front door. We came in the front door. We went out the back door. I don't know why. So there are alleys here in Chicago, and we kind of wended our way through these alleys to find our car. And yeah, and uh, we we came out, and we were like right there. The car was like right there. And my friend turned to me, and she said, um, man, you have a great inner GPS. And I just kind of laughed, right? Ah. Because like 10 years ago, she might have said, you have a great inner compass. Like you have a great sense of direction. Right. But she's using this um, contemporary technology that we think about um, and the ways that we think about it to talk about ourselves. So it kind of turns back on itself. Yeah. So like, yeah. Um, so the anthropomorphic sort of like we choose tools and name human things, but then in this case, it was the reverse. Right. Right. Uh, where sort of a technology was being mapped onto a human function. Yeah. yeah. And and you see the same thing happening now with that headline, right? So computers as human drivers. So we're saying that computers are taking over this role that humans have and suddenly we're saying, well, you wanted you said, "Hey, we should just call them the driver or we should call yeah. these cars drivers." Sure. Right? Um and you know, that's just how we've uh thought about that's how technology has shaped our understanding of ourselves. And it it goes back to how we think about our technology too. So we think about computers or we think about our brains as really complex computers. Sure. Like, absolutely. Well, you know, you know, I've always I've, I've talked about this a lot. Like I, there's it's incredibly uh, sometimes you hear some analysis of technology that really isolates technology in its own little bubble when they just talk about the technology. Yeah, and there, there, there's no such thing. Like it's absolutely we relate technology as a part of the human culture and ecosphere. When we right. relate, they mesh together so much it's impossible not to talk about technology without talking about humans. Right, and vice versa. Right. So I think your language thing here, like, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. And when we talk about the driver and the car, yeah, they're going to be together. Like it's uh, it makes total sense. Yeah. I think I think for me the question that we want to be asking ourselves is how how is our how are our tools our technologies um, making us think about ourselves differently? So if I think of my brain as just a really complex computer, is that an appropriate way to understand my body, or is it is it cutting off aspects of who I am as a person? and causing me to 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 narrow down what my brain is um i think i think we need to think about how we use our our language to talk about ourselves because um yeah it's a great metaphor but it's just that it's a metaphor it's like um the brain may be like a computer but it's not a computer sure (laughs) um I think I, I, I've often talked about one of my favorite theorists, Walter Ong. He's a Jesuit mm-hmm. and, uh, priest that wrote sort of in the middle of the century. And he has this quote, he's, you know, he always says, uh, the world that God created, understandably, troubles us today. Uh, some are inclined to blame our present woes on technology, yet there are paradoxes. And this is my favorite part. Technology is artificial. But for a human being, 
there is nothing more natural than to be artificial. <laughs> I love this. Oh, man. And so in McLuhan, you know, McLuhan would say um, the, the wheel, like the vehicle, and this is what the driver of this car, is an extension of the human functioning of the foot, right. of the leg, of walking. Right. And we are taking a human function of being able to move and giving it sort of more with technology, this sort of with an invention of ourselves, we're giving it yeah. more power, and it yeah. does things to us. It it, it expands our power, so right. I can walk so far in one day, but I can drive much further in right. one day. But it's just an extension of the exact same function, or you know, or you know, when he talks about eyes and sorts of you know where, how far you can see, and so all these technologies are always extensions of human function. Right. Uh, so is it appropriate for me to think about? You said, you know, as I put in a thing about my brain as a computer, I go, I don't know if we mix them up as much as we understand that they're extending a functioning. So as I build a computer, like my iPhone has crazy amount of processing power, you know, yeah. way more than the 1945 ENIAC and way more probably than the woman before that that did math in their head. Yeah. Like, um, but I'm extending that, those women's genius of math into mm-hmm. the, we're just extending this technology like it can, this iPhone can do a lot faster than any human yeah, can, yeah. but it's us. Yeah. It's us. It's our, yeah. it's, it's the power of our brain making something that does something our brains already did. Yeah. But I think it's important to say that it's doing, uh, the, a computer or an iPhone is doing some of what our brains do and not more than what our brains do. It may, maybe sure. does it faster, but it, it takes a portion I, and sure. Even, well, and McLuhan talks about numbing too. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. You know, we're doing a lot of Irish McLuhan, yeah. but he talks about it, when we do when we focus on one thing, it does sort of turn down the volume and everything else, and mm-hmm. we all get focused on just how the technology like sort of blocks everything else out. Yeah, and, and so it, you lose the holisticness of it. Yeah, and and there are other aspects of the brain that aren't aren't being um, emulated in a in a computer program. There's so many other questions that we could be asking about th- this issue, just because it's su- such a big issue and it um, goes in so many directions. Like we could be talking about the safety aspects. I mean, safety is a huge thing and it's a huge selling point that everybody from the Department of Transportation to Google is saying, you know, driverless cars are going to make it safer on yeah, the road. Yeah, because humans make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um but I mean, that's a question like, uh-huh. is it, is it really going to make us safer? Um, and mm. what other, uh, challenges is that going to bring along with it? But, um, like for example, who's, who's liable in the event of an accident? Is it the computer programmer? Is yeah, it the right. company that owns that computer program? Is it GM, the car manufacturer who, who's responsible? People are going to sue case? Google. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've kind of said, well, computers aren't human, but, if they have a role here, then, you know, what's, yeah, what's their responsibility? Um, and then like, we know that we get spam in our email and we get viruses on our computer. What happens when the computer virus is in our car? Yeah. When that driver of this car is just sort of dumb and opens that Microsoft word attachment. I know. Right. Like he's so dumb like that. It's just, yeah, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Or, or you have hackers, <laughs> you know, doing right. the same thing. Yeah. And they're hacking into, you know, traffic systems what what will that look like we don't know those are things we have to figure out um and will it actually improve traffic and life on the road um we've on the eisenhower i hope so yeah no kidding yeah so there's just lots of other questions but i think we want to kind of because this is the device and virtue podcast we want to get at 
how is this technology going to influence and impact the churches that we attend? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like what, what is the effect on? Yeah. Yeah. So what, how is this relevant to our church? Uh, because this is like, we think, okay, driverless cars, what relevance does that have to life in the church? The when Ecclesia. You, yeah. <laughs> when you, church, when you go to church and worship in the sanctuary, um, how did, but I think, some of the framing questions for us are like, how is this going to change our practices um, as people who are part of this culture going to church? But how is it also going to change our values? Yeah, for sure. What did what were some of the things that you thought of when you were thinking about that? Yeah, so I, I mean, I started thinking about just the um, some of the church practices that might change. You know, we have these um, huge parking lots at our churches now and uh the parking ministry the parking ministry right yeah well the parking ministry goes away all of a sudden i'm smiling because my church is 100 people we don't we don't have a parking (laughs) ministry but i've been to Uh, those that do yeah absolutely they've got the the wands like yeah Mm -hmm. like they're parking a 747 (laughs) right so yeah that the parking ministry goes away i'm sorry parking guys you are doing a great job back to the soundboard but soon you'll be looking for a new volunteer role um so people are no longer like parking their car and walking their you know maybe their car is valeting them to the to, <laughs> yes. to the drop off they they jump out the car goes and parks itself i mean maybe off site maybe it's two miles away who knows um you know it is is it just a glorified for for the elderly is it just a, a glorified wheelchair? Like they can get to church now without having someone drive them there. If they're able to get huh. to their car, they can, they can get to church. Sure, um, which is great. I think that's or you or awesome youth group opportunity. Kind of yeah. Send, send your kid to church. You don't even have to go. You don't even have to take your kid Perfect. to church. You can you can just coordinate with, you know, however this is going to work. You can coordinate your car to pick your kid <laughs> up and take him to church, but it could also be taking them. You know, maybe the kid programs it to go somewhere else. Maybe they're going to the arcade. Kids don't go to the arcade anymore. So we can be cynical about that, but I I did think there there's something to this, like on a practical speaking, when you're talking about the practices, that does make it potentially easier for us to be more bodily present. Okay. And you know, so just so? just I'm saying it's potentially easier to be in this, get to a space. You know, I oftentimes like for us to drive an hour to get somewhere to be with someone else as work. You know. Uh, hmm. uh, but the driverless car maybe makes that possible. So, you know, so it's almost like think about driverless cars in Skype. Uh, so we have presence. We can throw our presence by being visually, we can see what's going on and we can sort of be visually right. there, but we could actually be maybe physically present more often. I, um, so, I often think people dog, you know, I, I think presence is, is, is more than physical presence, but I think there is real okay. things than physical presence. And this is a, something that I think lends itself to that. So you're saying that when, um, when you have to think about driving an hour, you might be less interested in doing that when you're having to drive yourself. Yeah. But you might be more willing to do it when the car is driving. You. Yeah, absolutely. That, you're right. And, the, and the, when it were held away to the church, is like being with the community or being mm-hmm. with the people, right. you know, and doing and seeing that as a core value yeah. of what it means to be the church. So do you think that means that people will be willing to drive farther than they were before? Where where I was willing to, yeah, like an hour is about as far as I want to drive on a Friday night 
or whatever. But maybe if I have a driverless car, if I have an automobile, sure. then <laughs> yeah, I can. I'm willing to drive two hours. Yeah. So potentially it intensifies the effect. You know, you talk about that in that um, in your ebook, the the um, how mega cars create uh, or mega cars how cars create the mega church and sort of the highway system and it right. essentially t- expands the neighborhood. And we know this in the Chicago suburbs, people will regularly go an hour to just go somewhere, and it's yeah. sort of normal. Um, so do you if you're down in a small town in central Illinois, going an hour is like way out of town. It's to another town, and, and people don't do that nearly as often. Yeah. But the cars, the, the the road system just sort of creates the normalcy of like, I'm just going to go somewhere for an hour. And I think that it maybe expands that. So people may be willing to drive farther to go to the church they so, want or so the church neg- they like. Yeah, so in a negative way, we could see it as like creating consumer further consumerism yeah. in the church. In a positive way, maybe it, maybe it allows someone to be part of a community that they otherwise wouldn't be. Okay, so that's like some futurism in terms of like practices, like what might it look like in the future? But how how might it look in terms of how driverless cars could change what we believe? Yeah, like the, theologically even. Right. Like what is the church? You know, we were talking about this. Uh, one way to think about technology in the church is to think about just sort of like what does the future sort of look like? But I mm-hmm. also like to think about like let's imagine the church yeah, uh, fifty years into it, it, like, and what are the people in that church when they're reasoning about who God is, uh, when they're thinking theologically? Like, what are they? What are their assumptions that they're making that they might not even be noticing? Okay, like the fish and water, because I think that our yeah. culture right. affects our theology a lot, and like the context. Um, I'm not sure the answer to this, but one thing I did think a lot about was when you brought this up was theological anthropology, or sort of like, what does it mean to say from a theological perspective that what humans are. Okay. You know, we were talking about computers and humans earlier. You know, okay. like, and what what is a person? Uh, right. What does God say a person is? What right. does Scripture say the definition of a person is? Right. And like, there's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of definitions that have been out there by theologians over time. But you sort of and you think of the word imago dei, the image of God. Yeah. Uh, and sort of what that means. You know, some theologians have. <laughs> You know, Paul Tillich is a you know theologian from you know uh, not that long ago, but ones up saying you know essentially good, existentially estranged. So he's talking about humans sort of in an, an arc of sin and redemption. Okay. Um, but one of the older sort of definitions was that um, humans are rational, volitional, and communicative. So like rational, like you can think, okay. you like you know sort of in like volitional, you have a will, you have you can a choose exactly. Yeah. Um, like you're free to choose things. Um, freedom was was emphasized with that and communicative. Like, um, and I think a lot of th- I think this definition actually came a lot out of saying well, how are they different than animals? Okay. Uh, and now you can make some arguments about animals being rational and volitional and communicative okay. as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you start there, and go, okay, that's a human thing. So what about a driverless, like a car that dri- a computer that drives, like? At right. first we go, well, it's they making choices to some degree, right? Yeah. Well, at first, we it's easy for us to say for older computers, they don't have any free will. We just tell it what to do. But as these yeah. computers get smarter. Yeah. Smarter, quote unquote. Yeah, I know. It's smarter, but they start to blur this line, right? Certainly it's yeah. rational. Yeah. It gets harder to think about them as non-human. And then Siri communicates with me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so like, you know, these, this, and I assume Siri's built into the car. It better be. It's Apple. So right. uh, oh, Google. You're, oh, you're, wait. You're going to be driving an Apple car? <laughs> yes. I okay. would definitely be an Apple car. <laughs> <clears throat> so like, uh, you know, the car- so uh, I think the church is going to have trouble thinking about, so what's the definition of like what it means for God says to be human? And this is not definition. It's going to be blurred. It's going to be hard. Okay. Um. So either that you start saying the computers are sort of human and made by God, or you have to come up with something different. And I think one way forward on that is um, 
sort of this idea of task and relationship. We are human just because God is the that's our relationship to God. Humans are the ones that God created to be in relationship with him. Okay. And that's the definition. So he didn't he didn't create driverless cars to be in relationship with him. <laughs> exactly. Like it's not about the characteristics that you have, although we could talk about that like you're like, rational. Okay. Um you know, you're wearing a great flannel right now. You know, like it's not about these characteristics of humanness. It's like it's like you are a human because you were the one that God created to be in relationship with him. Okay. Yeah. That's and so it's a relational definition of humanity. Yeah. And I think this is a scriptural way of talking about it. So and, and is the Imago Day tied up in that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say uh, I'm too weak on that. Okay. So I don't know. Like the image of God, I think we would say we reflect the image of God in that, but the definition yeah. sort of comes yeah. from that. And then the, the task and relationship, a task, we could also say humans are the ones that are that are tasked by God to take care of his creation. Right. Right. Um, and they're the only ones tasked by that. So a driverless car essentially failed all those things. But I think uh, that's just sort of this kind of stuff I was thinking about when I thought mm. about how does the church mm. think about sort of living in a world that has computers that act like humans. Yeah, and make choices on behalf of humans. Yeah. But they are not human. Totally. Well, uh, you want to wrap up? Yeah, I think so. I think it's time for, you know what it's time for. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, vice or virtue. <laughs> I uh, love it. Adam, I have a question for you. Vice or virtue. Ready? Okay. The suburbs. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you and I, uh, mm. we, one of us lives in the suburbs and one of us doesn't. <laughs> doesn't? We can't even say oh, the other one word. One of us lives in the city. I'm the sorry. The city. Yes, you're right. Um, you know, if you, people don't live in Chicago, they don't, you know, they sort of refer to everything as Chicago. But true. around here, we say Chicago land. Yeah. Because Chicago land is everything. Mm, it's true. But the city. Is, is the city limits yeah. with 52 neighborhoods in the city. Already yeah. a lot of complaints. And then the suburbs probably have, gosh, maybe more than 50 separate oh, yeah. cities, yeah. you know, like think, 11 million total. Right. So I'm saying, you know, around here you have opinions about the and suburbs. And if you, if you live in the suburbs, when you're going downtown, it's not downtown <laughs> to your suburb. It, no, or, you no. Know, downtown and You're going to the wherever. city. You're going into the city. Yeah, or the loop even, yeah. which is the downtown part of the city. Yeah. yeah. Vice or virtue, I, I have to say, I have to say vice on this one. I'm, I'm not a... Whoa! <laughs> are you surprised Whoa. i mean speaking of driverless cars like and just cars in general cars created the suburbs i'm just like confident sure. of that yeah and they've they've allowed us to all kind of get in our own cocoons in our own kind of honeycomb lives where we kind of get separated from out from everybody else and we get in our car i i get in my car in my garage i drive to work and i get out and then i go home yes. and i park in the garage and i shut the garage door and i you know don't really talk to anybody like that's the cocoon of the suburbs um i'm gonna say vice nice well what about you <laughs> uh i think you know what i'd say <laughs> i think it's a vice i think the suburbs are tj maxx in a parking lot <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, and they do, they create homogenous, you know, drive into your garage, the same kind of stuff. I think it yeah. reduces the human community as much as I love sort of Skyping and like I like to talk about distant stuff with you and think uh -huh. it's good, actually. Um, I think the I walk down the sidewalk and just walk down tons of people all the yeah. time and I, my shoulders rub with a lot of people that are even different than me yeah. Yeah. Um, because of the city and uh, different languages, different food, different energy, and um, it's a good thing. So uh, definitely a... Suburbs are a vice. All right. And the city isn't. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, that obviously means that it's time to wrap up. So uh, we will do it. It has been the Device and Virtue podcast. Christian, thinking about technology in the church. Adam, nice topic today. Yeah, it was fairly interesting. Yeah, loved it. Uh, You wouldn't think that it connects necessarily driverless cars with the church and theology, but we found a lot of connections. Yeah, it seems tangential, but once you start to unpack it, you kind of see, oh, this could have really a big impact. So episode three, uh, let's do this again soon. Soon, yep. Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. (laughs) Okay. Tweet to us at Device Virtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And... Do leave us some love by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.